0: and non-binaries to another exciting episode of the Hostile Takeover, the weekly show where I, Adam, the tinkerer brings on a very special guest to talk about a game that they love, old dear. and today, listeners, is the first in a ongoing series that we'll be hosting here on this show. Every other week, me and this very delightful guest and many other guests that they uh, and I would like to bring on will try and delight you and roll you well across the world of tabletop RPG, specifically the thing that got me started as a content creator, Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, widely regarded as the longest standing and possibly the best edition, but we'll probably get to that at some point way down the road. But so before we get started, a uh, big thank you to those of you listening to us over on our Patreon site. For those who are there, you're getting the full unedited version of this episode without any advert interruptions. But for those who are listening to the proper channels, be it Spotify, SoundCloud. Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts, do please consider throwing us your Patreon support because you will get all of these podcasts, freshly in advance, to the highest quality, but you'll also get uh, advanced access to all of our written work here on Fantastic Universes. With all that said, I am just one very strange voice in the night. I can't be doing this all by myself, which is why I have so many delightful friends in the world of content creation, in the world of ECN and now finally Tabletop Gaming, and I defer to my dear friend, the founder and forger of Aaron Spencer Productions, Essie. My friend, how are you tonight?
1: Hello, Adam slash is a tinker. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. You have a fantastic announcer voice. I just wanted to point that out. It's like flipping a switch. We we'll love oh, to hear it.
0: Oh, that means everything to me. That's, that's all I've ever <laughs> wanted. I've been, like, in terms of podcasting, I've only ever been inspired by the dulcet tones of Cecil Baldwin from Welcome to Nightvale. So that is a kind of delivery motif I want to try and emulate. And something I bring to my streams as well, I find narrating over card games quite easily. But nevertheless, with certain card game tropes present in our favorite game, we can talk uh, at length about Dungeons & Dragons, you and I. I think that's part of the charm of why I've called you on here.
1: Fantastic. I'd love to. Uh, the question is, where should we start?
0: Yeah, I think we should start somewhere even further back in the dawns of time, because I gather friends and creators onto this show who are capital G gamers. I'm uh, very eager to talk to you about some of the streamers in and around some of, uh, mm-hmm. independent uh, role-playing RPGs, as well as some very dear friends of mine who are experts in the titles of Zelda or Monster Hunter. But what about you, friend? Where did your origins in the world of gaming begin?
1: Well, I'm glad you said Zelda as one of the last of those bullet points. Because uh-huh. for me, okay, well, if, you were, if we're going back to ancient history, I used to have the Tiger handheld consoles, which I'm not sure if they were in the UK. I'm not sure if that was a US thing.
0: Truly um, never heard of those.
1: So okay, I was thinking it might be an American thing, but Tiger handheld consoles are these little bricks, these little thin slabs that would beep and there would be sort of pencil drawings on the screen and you would move them back and forth and they would shoot out, you know, lasers or a punch or they would jump and it was this really old school pre-video game kind of Atari hybrid system But every one of those individual slabs that you could get was its own standalone game. So if you got Jurassic Park one or the sci-fi one, I don't even remember the names of some of the independent uh, original ones. There was a Street Fighter one, I think. They did their best. (laughs) And it would be a self-contained game. And I had almost every single one of those. My parents really didn't want to get me too immersed in video games. I think they were worried. It was the early 90s. They were... Unsure of whether or not to make that investment and to to fully introduce their child, they were afraid of maybe they'll get sucked into it. There was a lot of sort of confusion, or it was a burgeoning industry. So, Tiger handheld consoles. I had every single one of those, and it was a very interesting situation because you would again you would have these these two dimensional pencil drawing characters and. Single movements that were pre programmed into this handheld console. And all of my friends at school had them, and all of my cousins and um, all of my extended family that were my age all had these Tiger handheld consoles. But I really wanted something more. And then finally, after begging and pleading with my parents for several, I say several, probably a couple of years, they finally caved in and for Christmas one year got a. Game Boy original, the brick okay. for yeah. yes. So we have little slabs and big bricks, <laughs> and got the big brick Game Boy for myself and for my brother. And each one came with a copy of Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening.
0: Oh, classic! Which,
1: yeah. Yes, which was a game that inspired both my brother and myself to get into D and D. So that's there's, there's an interesting story behind that as well. Legend of Zelda. Link's Awakening. It was just such a rich Zelda game and it was one of the less popular ones and not everybody knows about it but that game and its high fantasy elements the moblins the fairy dust the witches in the forest the ghosts the getting regents and plants and collecting instruments and sort of death knights demon knights uh like worms, I think you know, like a magic gathering, the D and D purple worm, or things like that. Dune worms. It had all of these high fantasy elements, in a, a haunted castle where the uh, the fallen regent had uh, sort of fought, uh, sort of con- been consumed by darkness and had unleashed their army of evil knights upon the land. It was just a great old school kind of obscure high fantasy adventure that integrated a lot of random elements from the Mario verse into it. And for both me and my brother, that was our entry to high fantasy. My brother bought a, D, a copy of D&D, advanced D&D shortly thereafter, and taught me how to play within a month of, of, of reading the book in its entirety. So how about you? I'm very curious to see if you share any Similar experiences. I think we're about the same age, but uh, usually experiences
0: f- vary from person to person. Well, so. Yeah, I f- um, based on some of the contextual cues, you sound a, a teensy bit older than myself, which is uh, right. Go to defer to a sensei on the hill, as it were. Um, <laughs> I feel like some of the original Game Boys and some of the early Nintendo consoles, particularly the GameCube, was always sort of around my home. Uh, mm-hmm. They were sort of formed my early sort of console and platforming experience. It would always be like a familiar sort of release that whenever I get home from school and all my homework was done. One of those kids that just like get, got home on a Friday night, do homework right away, so that Saturday was just party. To quote Wayne Campbell, one of the greatest philosophers of our age, um, that eventually transitioned into the Xbox. But I only really discovered PC gaming when I right after I turned eighteen and after started doing my degree. I had a great circle of friends who pushed start titles on me like Civilization Five. Um, Left for Dead, Team Fortress, those classic early Steam titles that like define me as a gamer now. Although those are all titles I haven't touched in about three years, which makes me sad to recollect. But in any case, uh several years before that, now that we get into our topic of our dear favorite game, our Pride and Joy, the thing that started us as creators, certainly started me as a creator, Dungeons and Dragons. Um yeah what we would call college here in the UK uh, thing is like, it's the level of education for like 16 to 17 year olds. I don't know how it works across the ponds and stuff, but uh, like around the age of 16, there was a very large man who wore aviator goggles in a different set of classes, but in my same like cohort year group. And he said, we were all sort of aware of each other because we were like the rowdy, nerdy kids in the back of the canteen area mm-hmm. um, of a lunchtime. We would be playing like traditional card games with like your deck of cards and talking about, uh whatever anime and like that was back when game of thrones had just started and it was still good so we had that to discuss about as well um and then this very large man with a strong north Eastern, north of england accent and aviator goggles approached me and said hey have you ever played dungeons and dragons no you should okay i left to go to do a lesson i come back all right here's some character sheets and here's the main book and he sits me down and rolls me a character from the from the ground and this is fourth edition this is the mmo Mm -hmm. i recognize how troublesome and not great fundamentally that system is but i will always hold it (laughs) close to my heart with for nostalgia that's an entire episode's worth of topic but we're getting way ahead in the future
1: oh yes i I looked into fourth edition once and did some research and most of the, the videos that i found from content creators on youtube about it were about how combat would take Five sessions, six sessions, and it would be, okay, we're going to show up, we're going to do combat, and everyone's going to be looking at a book that they brought, or their phones, or vice versa, and just kind of occupying themselves in the meantime, Uh, an old Game Boy Color or a Nintendo DS in between turns, because they took so long and it's very niche i think but yes i'm sure we'll talk about
0: that i'm certainly will but in any case he was very good at being able to keep the the narrative as the focus and making Mm -hmm. that combat somehow even more streamlined i think is because of his um uh mental state that he was very good at memorizing things so i think that was definitely a boon in his favor but in any case i held that with a lot of uh nostalgia and fondness so that when 5th edition started to come out, when I left that stage of education and going towards my degree, I picked up 5th edition straight away and it led me to some of the friends that I have now that I make my YouTube content with into the people, the very nice people over at No Ordinary Heroes, a company you and I know very well and, make, and I make yes. the content with consistently. Uh, as a game, it has been a part of my thinking in the fantasy genre for the most recent part of my life and as a game I don't know what my identity would be like without it and I don't know where I would be without it something I'm endlessly, endlessly grateful for First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast Then came The Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I Am The Knight. Why, well, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Madbuck, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since
1: 1966. Oh, look, gogar And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut <laughs> up the bat, i nuts. I definitely do not fuck that in need of an adult-sized nemesis humans make good fertilizer. you can't fuck with lois lane for fuck's sake i'm a damn good cop a lot of lasers mm.
0: educational and informative the dc comics news podcast network presents mad love the harley quinn past <laughs> back to you seth so tell us your thoughts We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. The complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans superheroes or dummies part of the comics in motion podcast network in a world of stereotypes being called a geek comes with a certain image there is still that ingrained thing within me that is a little bit embarrassed about it in reality geek culture has never been more mainstream and behind every geek is a real story my dad was the one who got me into star wars and things join me your super dummy pool as I continue my learning experience and talk to the real people. I'm a secondary school teacher, so I teach 11 to 16 year olds in English. Hear their stories exclusively on Fantastic Universes. It's one of them like, you've ever going to grow up? And I'm like, no, why should I? I, I like my life, I, I enjoy what I do. This is my hobby. Available on all your favourite podcast catchers. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But I'll just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts.
1: Google Play.
0: Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked.
1: My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher.
0: So, friend, what is your history with the Dungeons and the Dragons?
1: Well, relating it back here for points of reference... In I think I was about ten or eleven, which I want to say closer to ten ish, which for us, that was elementary, middle late elementary, early middle school, which is uh, sort of grades five, I think I was in fifth or sixth grade. We also had Magic the Gathering, and so did my brother, who got me into a lot of d and d stuff. But my brother, after he picked up a copy of advanced D and d after reading, AD&D cover to cover, he said, I need somebody to run a game with. So immediately came over, and we played a game of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons using the miniatures from HeroQuest oh, and wow. our Magic the Gathering cards as reference tokens. And, of course, my brother had all of the dice that was necessary. I had some D6s, but he had all of the good dice, the lovely D&D dice for AD&D. So we had the A D and D tome. This I think I remember it being pretty thin, about maybe the same size of maybe Rise of Tiamat or something like that, whatever adventure we played. But we had that out. We had the miniatures, we had battle maps because we had hero quest. We had tokens because we had hero quest. We had again points of reference with magic cards, and we could use those as tokens. It was an incredible experience. And I believe, I think I just played a fighter barbarian, a human fighter slash barbarian one of the two I can't remember if they were multi-classes it was either a fighter or a barbarian but very basic very simple very old school second edition slash AD&D it was a it was, was a blast I was immediately hooked I tried running what I remembered from AD&D when I was at summer camp with my friends which eventually translated into GURPS because in high school we played GURPS because I think that was and they were talking about fourth edition at that point. My timeline for that is a little off because we didn't play it, we played GURPS. So as far as 3.5 and 4, when people talk about it and talk about it fondly, I'm kind of thinking, I had no idea. First of all, I was playing GURPS through all of high school which was 2000, 2004 and beyond, 05, 06. And after that, I kind of had a nine year hiatus or so until I discovered fifth edition when it first came out at university. But GURPS was an interesting time. It, it's It was very freeform, and I used to talk about it in a very elitist way and say, oh, you're playing D&D 3.5 or D&D 4? I haven't even opened the book because I play a superior system. I was one of those people. I'm not that kind of person anymore. At least I like to think, I like to hope I'm not that kind of person anymore. I don't think you're kind of person that anymore. I don't give off that vibe. Thank you very much. In high school, I was. <laughs> In in high school-ish age, but, you know, early teenage puberty years, as we mentioned, I was very elitist about about curbs. But for D&D specifically, again, I had about an eight or nine-year hiatus. And at university, that exact same situation that you described, like there was a table every college, every university, every high school, even some middle schools or I think secondary schools and uh, Secondary schools would probably have the same thing. It's that trope, that meme, that sort of classic standby of that one table where all of the geeks, and nerds, I was at that table. Sounds like you were at that table. Yep.
0: A lot of other people would float in and
1: out of that table.
0: I think I created that table for my secondary school because that was the first group of friends that I ever took to conventions when they started out here in the UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those friends mean a lot to me. Uh, I think, I I feel like those tables are kind of essential and yes. they do what is needed. I, I love those kinds of tables.
1: Same. And it's what's, what's best about those tables, which is what got me into fifth edition, was that, as many of you know, you can just walk up to the table and sit down and talk and engage. And that's exactly what I did. I walked by. I did a double take. I said, OK, this is this is the nerd table. We had essentially taken over the entire lounge at our university. Which was conveniently located to next uh, next to both the vending machines and the cafeteria, so we could very easily walk 30 seconds to the right and get food and come back. It was the perfect setup for um, sort of this perfect nerd utopia. Another voice crack. You can mark off another bingo card. <laughs> but as far as the yeah, this then there were 30, 40 people. It was mixed gender identity, mixed expression. It was very diverse and it was, it was just the perfect sort of melting pot of nerds. And this was 2013, 2014. So I just walked right over, sat right down and kind of like, Hey, what y'all doing? I'm into nerdy stuff. What you got going on type of thing. And they were very friendly and welcoming and they were able to share what they were doing. They were playing D&D fifth edition and also magic. And I think, five people had their laptops out and they were all gaming with each other together in this lounge. And I was talking to the person who always sat at the head of the table, this was kind of the person that had that was running it, the person who did all of the, the work with official clubs or getting things together. And he had a tablet, a laptop, a school laptop, 20 books and everything all set up. Actually a really cool guy, like kind of exuding that confident, almost kind of like jock-ish nerd type of thing atmosphere going on that's not necessarily the people i gravitate towards but he just happened to be the person that was running that particular instance of nerddom come together to find this utopia and i was chatting him up and i said uh, you know we we got to talk about dnd just a natural flow of conversation and I said, you know, I, I've always wanted to get back into D and D after my hiatus. I played GARPS in high school. Everything we just talked about. I said, but it's really expensive, and there's a lot of, there, there's an entry gate, and I don't have a lot of time, a lot of books you know to carry around. I already have enough going on. And he said, oh, well, that's fine. Well, let me just give them to you on this flash drive. So wizards, I'm so sorry if you're listening, <laughs> but in that instance, at university for a broke college kid. Hmm. He was just handing around this flash drive. So we all got pirated copies of, D&D, of the D&D 5th Edition Core Rulebook, Dungeon Master's Guide, Rise of Tiamat, Horde of the Dragon Queen, and the Monster Manual in full color PDFs for free. So I was able to just go on my tablet and for the next couple of years, every time I would have free time at college or after, I would just flip through my PDFs. And that's how I got involved in fifth edition. And after two years of perusing it and reading it, I finally could jump and joined a Horde of the Dragon Queen play-by-post game.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I think that reminds me of quite a bit of um, how I've picked up the initial books. I called up the long... Because, you know, the Wizard's Web sorry, it has the directory of all of their sellers mm-hmm. and such, it has the list of all of the people that stock their books. I looked up a list and I just called up hey do you have the player's handbook in stock for fifth edition hey do you have the player's handbook in stock for fifth edition so I had to like take an hour train to somewhere outside the capital city outside of London oh geez uh to find someone that was able to give me the one of the 12 copies they had in stock and I had to pay by cash which is something that I raised my eyebrow to but will not question but that was the store I eventually went back to to get the Monster Manual and the Dungeon Master's Guide, and to get the Monster Manual I actually had to skip, I actually missed the introduction to the actual process and the campus and the university for my, for my course and for stuff like that. It was like stuff that was deemed essential. I was like, okay, I'm sure I can pick this up and I know where all my classes are. I'm just going to go get this book, thank you. But, that was, but oh, yeah. I didn't get in any trouble, so it's not all bad but with our introductions there set up we have firmly set up our tragic backstories as we've now met in the tavern we can look to <laughs> our past with a lot of fondness because i don't know about you but there's been times in our past growing up as a nerdy kid in the 90s and 2000s where things have not been great but oh yes it's been games like Dungeons and Dragons that have kept me going at the very least and has like brought me into the place where i am now as a creator I don't necessarily create D&D content myself, I mostly write for the Apotheosis Studios blog, creating monsters and encounters and situations here and there, but my friend here, Essie, has devoted a great amount of time and effort into production, so what is your current work in the World Dungeons & Dragons, friend?
1: Ah, well, it's time for the shameless plugs, then.
0: (laughs) Uh, well there'll be there'll oh. be official shameless plugs right at the end of the episode, but this is just like your where you work at and what your plans for the future be.
1: Ah, okay. So contained shameless plugs. Fair enough. <laughs> so I always feel like I'm I, I was talking about this the other day and, and someone said, uh kind of roll their eyes and said, Here come the plugs, but I was just talking about kind of exactly the response to your question, which is we currently have a Tomb of Annihilation, D&D podcast, VOD, all that good stuff that we're running. That's really at the core. That is a live streamed. I was very inspired by Critical Role, but also all the other amazing content creators that are out there that are creating these amazing streamed tabletop games. And there's so, so many people out there there's so much amazing talent and the community is just absolutely so incredible so friendly and so welcoming that's really my current passion project is breaking into or continuing to climb my way up into this world of live stream d so live streamed without actually plugging anything specific live streamed D&D is has really called to me and there's something about being able to interact at least at the smaller, smaller levels, which is almost every content creator on Twitch, with the exception of Critical Role. So these, if you if you only watch Critical Role, go out and watch some of these other podcasts. Go out and watch some of these other Twitch streamers. Go out and watch some of these other content creators because there's so much amazing, incredible content out there. And nine times out of 10, you can directly interact with the creators in some way. As is the same for us. Now, with that, it, it's this: you build a community, you have a unique bond with the community, you interact with them directly. Again, in nine times out of ten, for smaller streamers, you're interacting directly, and it's affecting the outcome of the game. Sometimes in small ways, sometimes in in bigger ways, based off of however, you know, X, Y, or Z content creator might structure their their format we're going to be transitioning out of Tomb of Annihilation and into a homebrew campaign setting that I have been working on since, I wanna say right after going back here to the primary school and middle school days after playing advanced D&D, I started to craft my own world when I was again, 11 or so. This homebrew epic scale, sirens. (laughs) This homebrew uh, epic scale world that started from the brain of an 11-year-old was revamped as a 20-something-year-old and that finally came to fruition as a 30-something-year-old. I was able to put my ideas on paper in a detailed, concise, and organized way, calling back to some of the skills I had learned at uni, some of the organizational skills, language skills, sort of historical knowledge and building this this world that has for all intents and purposes been in the works since uh since i was 10 or 11 and i love hearing other dungeon masters who run homebrew content talk about these worlds because it's almost the same situation if you talk to dms that run a home that run a homebrew world usually they've been passion projects someone's life uh life work and usually when you have a very successful community or or show or podcast, it's based on those creators. You're basically interacting with their life's work. And for me, that is, it's really intense because to see it finally coming to fruition, to be planning for it, even though Tomb of Annihilation is great and we're doing a lot of wacky, out of control, literally out of this world stuff with it. I'm excited to finally introduce my homebrew world called Heaven's Fire into the mix and be streaming that a world where magic is decreasing by the day magic users are suffering from a malady but those who practice the arts of shadow and darkness and necromancy and shadow magic are growing in power and there's so many questions and concerns to address in the world it's just a passion project for me and i'm very very excited i could talk about it all day but that's my in a nutshell sort of an overview that's what i've got going on i'm going to give that back to you to see if there's anything specific you wanted to pick up uh, pick apart from that or a hone in on or
0: i feel sort of that way to talk about yep. one of your worlds i feel that i i feel that the the passion with which you were talking about your own setting And the length of time that you and I have been speaking will bring us sharply on to the next episode of Dungeon Masters homebrewing their own settings in their own games. Because I will preface this right now by saying that with the exception of modules set specifically in worlds that I really, really love, namely Rabbitica and Eberron, all of my Dungeons & Dragons experience has been homebrewed. fantastic all almost all of it 95 percent of it if i had to put a number on it so with the with the passion and the drive and the fervor to create our own worlds the topic coming to you fine listeners in two weeks time has been set in stone as these two adventurers are going to march clearly on but in any case the world of dungeons and dragons for se and i is in a Profound and exciting space, and I think we're all very excited to see what the both of us can try to conjure. But in the meantime, now is the time for the rest of the plug. Let the plug, <laughs> let the plugging, con- let the plugging continue. Where can our dear listeners find you and your works?
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for bringing it back. Um, I feel like I feel like I tackled that in an appropriate way. Now, the trick is to have that same format with tease and then plug uh, for D&D. <laughs> that came out wrong for D&D specific- <laughs> specifically in real life when I'm you know doing the elevator speech, if you will. But for anyone that is curious and checking out either our fantastic Tomb of Annihilation campaign that has gone completely off the rails, if you're looking for a Tomb of Annihilation that is kind of standard to the module, that follows a very traditional set of D&D, uh, this is not what we do. We have gone, uh, again, completely into left field, off the rails, whatever phrase, or uh, you know, what, however you want to describe it. You can find these outrageous shenanigans, including romancing the lich, seducing the dragon, <laughs> literally seducing a shape-shifting dragon, romancing a frost giant, helping the Zhentarim conquer the Sword Coast, defeating and murdering Artis Climber, giving his ring to the Dreadlord of Neverwinter. All of these absolutely bonkers, off-the-wall, completely out-there shenanigans that are like the 1% of d d players, this is where you'll find it. You can find these shenanigans at twitch.tv slash and d And again, like D&D Beyond, it's D-N-D, and as in Nitro, <laughs> if you have a Nitro sub, give it to your favorite Discord community, whoever that may be. So twitch.tv slash You can also find us on YouTube by searching ESPDND d On YouTube, it is with an ampersand, ESPDND, d or the Crystal Coven Chimeras, and using any of those, any of those three options, you can find us on YouTube, which is also youtube.com slash C, because as the weird C for creator, youtube.com slash C slash ESP Aaron Spencer Productions, or just by typing in ESP D, because I do all the hashtags and I put like 20 of them in there. So eventually you'll be able to pull us up and find us. And again, for the podcast format, same thing. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes. And Google Play, and we're also on Patreon, patreoncom slash Productions, which allows you the opportunity to interact directly with the live stream. For the second and third tiers, both give you opportunities to give advantage and to give health potions to your favorite chimera, because the party name is the Crystal Coven Chimeras. So, that's my plug. How about you? Is it?
0: Ah, I have much content to plug of a varying degree in variety and flavor. Uh, for my written work on the f- on the flavor of DC Comics, look to my reviews on Dark Knight News. The titles of Suicide Squad and Catwoman are in excellent spots right now. For, for my true love of PC and tabletop gaming, look to my pride and joy and founder and forger of this show, FantasticUniverses.com, providing gameplay content as well as comics reviews and insights across the interwebs we've just recently had our... Attention turned to by Kodansha, so even featuring news about the world of manga, which is something I know nothing about, but I think our correspondents can cover with a great deal of fervour. The visual media that you can find me parading around for Dungeons and Dragons look to the hostile, to No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube for my uh, dungeon master experience with some very delightful people. For PC gaming let's plays, look to the hostile atmosphere on YouTube. Hence the name of this show, the Hostile Takeover. Talk to me on twitter at is um you'll find me there talking about player issues and my horrendous loss at card games the endless parade of high energy and highly exciting ttrpg stuff can also be read by your delightfully curious self on the apotheosis studios blog for other monsters encounters and items to level up your dungeons and dragons gameplay experience We have begun a great quest Essie and I and I'm very excited to see where our discussion on Dungeons and Dragons will lead us. I can assure you this will be informal and very natural but there's much to talk about in this world and I'm very excited to talk about them as long as Essie is with me.
1: As you have seen I can talk about them with a lot of fervor and in great detail.
0: And that's exactly what you'll get from us next time thank you for listening but until next time live free and play well